The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Good morning, Grace City. Uh, my name is Oliver, and um, I love watching these baptism videos. It reminds me of when I got baptized six months ago, but I remember it like it was just yesterday. Um, it was actually my first time here at Grace City. So um, today I'm going to be reading scripture. Uh, I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Thank you, Lord, for, um, I just want to thank you for Grace City, the people here. Um, and I pray that you bless everybody in this room, everybody in our city, and that this morning you just help us not only listen to the message, but understand it, the message that you will be speaking through Randall this morning. Um, I just want to say thank you for everything you've given us. Um, you've given us everything that we need, and I just pray that you help us not be strangers to you like the Pharisees were, but to become good friends of you and to understand that you are our Savior. In Jesus', in Jesus name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, Oliver. Uh, good morning. Uh, if you're new to Grace City today, my name is Randall, and uh, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Simply Jesus. And uh, in this series, we've been studying uh, how the Bible points to Jesus. Uh, again, if you're new to Grace City, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And so every week we open up the Bible, we study, and uh, we, we really see in here how it, it all points to Christ. It all points to the gospel. It all points to the good news that Jesus came and He died for us and He loves us. And uh, our text is John uh, chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. And the message today is entitled, The Light. Now, it doesn't take long for us to turn on the TV or listen to the radio or anything and, and know that we live in a dark world. Um, and so what Jesus says today is, it, it changes everything. He says, I am the light, the light of the world. Uh, just a quote from Anne Frank. She was a young girl who was a victim of the Holocaust. Many of us have heard of Anne Frank, but one of the things she said was this. She says, look at how a single candle can defy and define the darkness. That's some profound words from a young girl. And she was someone who saw darkness. And Jesus, as we see in this text is facing down the darkness today and, and it is both defining and defying 
the darkness itself. Jesus is proclaiming, I am the light of the world. See, there is some truth to the facts that, you know, darkness is all around us, right? Darkness is in the world. Our, our culture is, is fascinated with the darkness. It doesn't take long when, uh, you know, it gets close to October and all the commercials start rolling out of the, the new horror movies that are coming out. And uh, it, it's, it's there. We, we have this fascination with darkness, with evil, and the world is, is like when I walk into my kid's room at night, right? So when I walk into my kid's room at night, I've got three kids. It's, I don't want to turn on the light because I know that they're asleep. And so when I'm walking into their room at night, I step on Legos. I see that there are uh, kids laying on the floor. My actual kids are laying on the floor, and so I don't want to step on them. Uh, blankets and pillows just thrown everywhere. It's not like when I laid them down earlier that night. And that's much like the, the way the world is. As you are walking into the world, you're walking into this dark place, and you're stumbling over things. You're, you're walking over things. You're, you're, you're trying to get your bearings. Do you feel like many times you stumble in this dark world? See, recently we've seen uh, violence in America increase, but for a stretch, there was a decline in violence, particularly in America. And for some of the reasons the Washington Post reported last month, uh, this is Kim Soffin, she says, the decades-long decline has been driven by many factors, including increased police presence, more police access to technology, a decline in alcohol consumption and lead poisoning, and a better economy. Now, all of those reasons might be true, but there is still a darkness that can't be answered, right? There's still darkness in this world. Why hasn't the evil gone away yet? Why do we still have crime? See, Jesus tells us the problem of why all of these things continue to rise or, or fall a little bit, but never go away is because there's a much deeper problem. There's a darkness, not only in the world, but within us, within our hearts. See, there is a monster in us all. Isn't this true? We are shocked by celebrities, athletes, heroes gone wrong, aren't we? I mean, how surprised were we with our, with our I mean, prized gold medalist, Michael Phelps, just a few years ago, and the lifestyle and the things that he was doing? We were surprised. We were, we were th thrown through a loop like, how can this happen? But if there were a TMZ following you and me, we would all be guilty, wouldn't we? There would be some shameful thing that would come up and the world would hear about it and we would say, well, well I don't know what happened. If we're honest, in many ways we are lost, confused, trying to get our bearings, making missteps here and there, intentionally choosing to do wrong, there is a monster in us all. It's not just in the world, but there's a darkness inside of us. And that's why Jesus says in John eleven ten, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Right? It's not just stumbling out in the world, but it's knowing that internally there is a darkness. 
We need what Oz Guinness said saved the Europeans in the second missionary journey to the West. Here's what he said. He said, of the Europeans. He says, we were barbarians, violent, bloodthirsty, warring people. It was the gospel that gentled us. The winning of the barbarian people to Christ is an extraordinary story. What is it that changes the darkness to light? Jesus says he has the power to gentle the most vicious monster in us all. Colossians 1.13 says this, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. There's a transferring of us from the darkness to the light when we come to Christ. Jesus says, I'm the one who has the power to do this. In today's text, John 8, uh, 12 through 20, uh, just to give you some background, you know, we've been studying and, and going through the book of John from the beginning of the church. We've gone from John 1 all the way now to John 8, uh, 12 through 20. And uh, if you've been with us the past few weeks, uh, Jesus has been preaching and teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a yearly Jewish celebration remembering how God took care of his people in the wilderness. Now, every night during the feast, there was a ceremony called the illumination of the temple. And there were these four huge lampstands that were lit. They were so brilliant that they illuminated the entire section of Jerusalem uh, where the temple was. Now, right in front of these lamps, Jesus was doing this teaching, saying, I am the light of the world. The lamps were there to remember that God led them in the wilderness with the cloud during the day and the pillar of fire at night. This is from Exodus 13, 21 through 22. Here's what it says in Exodus 13. And the Lord went before them day uh, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not apart or did not depart from before the people. Jesus is saying, you remember what happened in Exodus? You remember those people walking through the wilderness through the darkness? Well, I'm the new and better Exodus. I'm the light that will guide you through a dark world. Come to me for the light that you need in your life. What do we learn about this light that Jesus offers today? Uh, well, we learn three lessons. And so I'm going to give you all three up front. And so if you're taking notes, and we've got these Grace City uh, notebooks that you can grab. They're free. Grab one. Grab a pen. Um, and so here's what it says. Um, here's the three things. Uh, number one is the source of light. The second is the need for light. And the third is the benefits of light. The source of light the need for light, the benefits of light. So the first point, the, the source of light. Now, during this feast, uh, the Israelites were trained to sing this song, the Lord is my light and my salvation. This is from Psalm 27, verse 1. And so commentator uh, D.A. Carson says about this verse, Jesus' declaration must have come with stunning force. Hold on, so Jesus is standing in front of the lampstands. He's making this 
declaration, I am the light of the world. This is, must have been stunning for the people to hear. Hold on, how is Jesus the light of the world? See, verse 12, he says, I am the light. Through this statement, Jesus is saying, I'm the source. But more than that, and this is what really got the religious people, the Pharisees, really worked up, is he was saying, I am God. I am God. I'm not just a man here uh, making, you know, a declaration or teaching today, but I am God. See, this is one of many of Jesus' I am statements we see all in the book of John. And, and when we see this phrase, I am, it should take us back again to Moses. Because as Moses was coming and he sees the burning bush, it is God that declares, I am. Call me I am. And now we see Jesus saying, I am. See, John 6.35 says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we studied that a few weeks ago. Uh, John 8.58, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So what he's saying is, I was before Abraham. You know Abraham? I was before him. John 10.7 says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. John 10.11 says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John 11.25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15.1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am statements. Jesus is using this I am statement to indicate that he is the source of life. Today, if you're seeking life, it's in Him. See, that's the uniqueness of Christianity. Uh, when you study other world religions, no religious leader claimed what Jesus claimed. This is unique to Christianity. In Buddhism, um, here's, here's what it says. The, 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 the Buddha was asked... Uh, whether or not he was God. Here's what he says. He says, Once the Buddha was seated under a tree in the meditation posture, his senses calmed, his mind quiet, and attained to supreme control and serenity. Then a Brahmin, Dana by name, approached the Buddha and asked, Sir, will you be a God? No, Brahmin. Buddha did not claim to be God. Jesus is doing something different, unique. He's saying he is God. And Jesus is not claiming that he will become a God. He's claiming he is God. And he's always been God. Jesus is the source, and he invites us to come to him as God. Can you just let that settle for a minute? That the God of the universe is inviting you to come into his presence? To be with him? No other religion has that type of invitation. He's the source of light. But the second point is this, the need for light. Well, you say, well, okay, Jesus is the source of light, but, but why do I need this in my life? Well, verse 12 tells us, he says, verse 12 is, he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus contrasts himself with the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Like, the world is dark and you need my light. Biblically, the world is pictured as a wilderness. A place of confusion, darkness, pain, exhaustion. The picture is that you won't survive without the light. 
Remember when Jesus claimed, he says, I am also the bread of life. He says also that I'm the living water. Now he claims to be the light. Now think of yourself in a wilderness. You will not survive without bread. You will not survive without water. You will not survive without light. See, the world will try to convince you of things that aren't true. It will try to replace bread with candy, water with soda, and light with more darkness. In the wilderness, that's not going to work. And the place where you live and I live right now is the wilderness, right? We don't have to live life long enough, or live life, uh, we live life long enough to know that that's true. Um, you know, with the Olympics going on, my, my family has been just locked in to Rio and what's happening with uh, all the athletes. We love it. We even watch the weird ones, you know. It's just like, why, why are you watching that right now? Why is it on? We're watching it. We're locked in. And, and so it's just on in our household right now, um, particularly because my wife just, just loves it. But we have been watching this, and, and I don't know if you've seen, like, there's so many different commercials that are coming on right now uh, for the Olympics, and it always cracks me up that McDonald's and Coke are the premier sponsors of the Olympics um, because, I mean, obviously, because that's what every athlete is consuming right now at the Olympic Village, you know, as they're hanging out with each other, as they're, they're chowing down on some McNuggets. Um, but... One of the things, you know, that my son is, is he was sitting with his aunt Victoria. They were hanging out watching and a Coke commercial came on and there's athletes drinking Coke and people are having a great time drinking Coke and it just looks so fun. And he looks over at his aunt Victoria and he he says, what's in that drink? What, what kind of power is in that drink? Because I want that power that they have. Like, what, what's, what's in that? Now, my son, who's six, watching that, believes that Coke has these magical powers that's going to make you into a super athlete like we're watching in the Olympics. But what we know as adults is that's not true. It's not true. And so how do we avoid the lies of the world that are telling you that those things are true and and really come into the light, the truth. See, Jesus tells us the answer. He tells you that you need him, but he, he also tells you how to get it. He says, the one who follows me will never walk in darkness. Like, you want to know the truth? It's actually in following Jesus. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, he tells us later down in verse 28, and we're not going to get there today, but He says in verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. What we see here is the people that, after Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and all that, they're like, well, how do you prove that? How How do you say that you're this light? Or how do you say that you're I am? Like, how do you have the right to say that? Jesus says, you want to know how you're going to find out that I am the light of the world? It'll be in lifting me up. It'll be in killing me. So you'll see a radiant light flowing through me that will draw people to me like nothing else could. Jesus wasn't just saying I'm the light of the world. He actually showed us. 
how do you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, it's in following him all the way to the cross. If you follow Jesus long enough, you'll see him lifted up. And you'll see him dying on the cross. And it won't just be a man dying on the cross, but what you'll realize is a man dying on the cross for you, for me. See, when we follow Jesus, we follow him all the way to that place where he says, you want to see if I'm really the light? I'll show you. And you will fall on your knees and say, I need that light. See, it's the, it's, the, it's the darkness within us. It's the thing that we can place at the feet of the cross and know that the light shines through. Jesus is the light of the world. How will you know? It's following him all the way to that place of the cross. Well, what happens to your life when you follow him there? Well, the third is the benefits of light. Look at the end of verse 12. He says um, that we will have the light of life. The light of life. What kind of life does Jesus offer? Well, he offers you one that gives you guidance and protection. Remember what the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrating, Exodus 13? Right. God is leading his people out of Egypt into the wilderness with a cloud and pillar. They have to be completely dependent on God as they're going out into this wilderness. But like I said, the wilderness is the world. It's, it's the life that you and I live on a daily basis. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the cloud. I am the pillar. I will guide and protect you in the wilderness. See, he doesn't just say, look at me on the cross, but he sends us out into the world saying, I will go with you. I will be with you through it all. He offers his guidance and protection. Think about this. There's this amazing scripture, Jude 6. Have you ever looked at the scripture? I think a lot of times we gloss over this. But Jude... Um, many believe is the, the brother of Jesus, one of the brothers, says this. He says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, think about this. Jesus wasn't just standing here in front of the lampstands. He was there in Exodus 13, leading the people out. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he was telling the truth. He was there. And so Jesus knows what it means to lead a people out into a wilderness and be the pillar and cloud for their life. That's who he is. So you say, well, when did Jesus do that? He's all the way back here, and he's all through the Bible. See, when you study the Bible, what you're going to find that is that it's, you know, a lot of the times we read this, and I say this a lot, but I just need to say it again. A lot of the times we, we look at this and we say, well, where can I find me in here? Where is this about me? This is about God. 
This book is about God. And when you start with God, you say, who is God? Who, like, I want to know more about Jesus. Then you'll actually find out who you are. You'll, you'll come to this place where no longer it will be about you, but it will be about him. And you'll find that your life is found in him. Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing, too. During, during, I don't know if you saw uh, David Badiah and I think it's, I uh, can't remember the other guy's name, but Divers, right? They're, they're talking about um, the silver medal that they just won. And the, they're getting national, you know, um, television exposure at that, that moment. They're being asked all these questions. He, he says, my life isn't out there in what I do. My identity is in Christ. And that, that, that's just confusing for people. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, you, hold on. You just got a silver. Like, don't you wish you had the gold? No. What he was saying was, that stuff doesn't define me. Jesus does. And so now that Jesus is my life, I can actually go and enjoy things and do things. And so he's saying, like, I, I don't need the approval of the world. I don't need that. I need the light. This is a guy who understood the light. He understood it, and he said, this is what I need in my life. See, when Jesus becomes the cloud for you, you will start to experience a guidance and protection you had never experienced before. He will guide you from those winter seasons to springtimes. And he'll be with you through it all. You'll, you'll start to experience the blooming of your soul. The benefits will be extraordinary. You will become a person you never thought possible. I look at my life right now, and, and, and many times what I think is, I, I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm not because I was a good person or anything like that. I see the darkness within me. And so that Jesus has brought me to where I am today. He's made the husband I, I am. He's made me the father I am. It is by the grace of God. It's, it's experiencing him and knowing that he does something extraordinary in your life. And it wasn't you who can take the credits. They're amazing benefits. But it's all about him. And so how does God apply this to our hearts? Well, I'm going to give you three takeaways today as we're processing this. And so the first one is this. Know there is an internal and external darkness. Know there is an internal and external darkness. Many of us don't want to admit that there is an internal darkness in us. We don't want to say that there's a Jekyll and Hyde in all of us. But why do we resonate so much with that story? Because it's true. But what is it that, 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 that sneaks up on us and scares us and we say, you ever heard that phrase like that? that sorry, that, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That's not who I am. Then who was it? Right? Like I saw you doing it. Who was it? No, it is us. Let's not be naive to the internal darkness. But there also is an external darkness. But we got to admit these things. And being a Christian will show you that you are darker and more sinful than you ever thought possible. I'm like seeing things. The Holy Spirit's spawning things out in my life. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know I have the, 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 the thought process, the capacity to be that person. Yeah, it's there. But he does it in love. The Holy Spirit points these things out to recorrect us, you know, get us on the right path, not condemn us. Not condemn us. See, if you're a Christian, 
Sin will, will break you. If you're not a Christian, it's not going to break you. You're not going to think twice about it. Right? But, but when there's, there's sin in our lives, God says, I'll break you, but I'll put you back together. God is doing something in your life. He's showing you something. He's opening the door so that you turn to him. See, the, the word repent is not a bad word. It's actually a beautiful word. It's as you're going in one direction, you say repent, and it tur- you turn in the other direction. You get to go towards a loving father and his embrace. Right? There's a relationship there. And so we get to repent of something and turn and become different. But there is a darkness. And Jesus will shed the light on those things. Why? Because he loves us. One of the most loving things that I can do for my kids is to tell them the truth, right? Like, I don't want to send them out the door into the world, into school, wherever, and not tell them lovingly the truth about some of the ways that they're hurting people, they're hurting themselves, Right? I, I, I take them aside. I say, hey, this is the truth. I have to tell you this. Do they like it all the time? No. But it's a part of my job as a parent to do that. And God does the same thing in our lives. That's why he's not just this abstract God, but he, he says, call me father. Your father. There's an internal and external darkness. Let's not be naive of that. Let's own it within ourselves and also say that there is that in the world. It's a wilderness out there. It's hard. It feels like you're stumbling around in the dark. The second takeaway is lean on him through the dark moments in life. Um, One of the things I loved growing up was those goosebumps, like choose your own adventures. Um, It was a book series. And one of the things you could do in the books is... You say, well, if you choose this particular thing to happen, then turn to page 78. If you choose this thing to happen, turn to page 45. So you could, like, choose your own adventure, right? But life is not a choose-your-own-adventure. When God is in your life, God is with you through it all. And he's at work. And even through the dark moments, he's bringing you through it. And you say, well, that was a really bad decision that I made. But yet God is working it all out to good. Right? It's, not, it's not like, oh, man, I'm going to be choosing my demise in the end. But as a Christian, you can know that God is working in all of it. See, God doesn't cause the evil in this world. He doesn't cause the sin in this world. But he can work through it for our good. See, that's when we talk about God being like sovereign, like he's over all things. You say, well, how could good come from that? And I just say, if you ever had those moments, how could good come from that thing? Look at the cross. Everybody gave up at the cross. They packed it in. It's done at the cross, isn't it? All his followers went home. How could God do something good out of that? We just saw Jesus, the light of the world, put up on a cross and dying for our sins. Like, they didn't know the dying for the sins part. They just knew he was dying. How could good come from that? But the greatest good that the world's ever seen came from that. 
So again, like, as you're processing things, you say, well, okay, God, I don't see the good in this, but help me to see it. Because the truth is, there is no, like, alternate reality. Like, what if this, what if, like, you know, there's, there's all this, this stuff. I'm going to make a confession. One of, one of the things that, it's my wife's fault, but she got me into The Bachelorette this year. I was watching The Bachelorette. I know. I'm like, sinner. I'm, I'm really bad. You know, like, watching. But I, I told her, I said, from the beginning, I said, I know who's going to win this. And I told her, I'm like, it's going to be Jordan. Jordan's winning. And, um, and so, you know, we go through all this season, all the ups and downs and all this stuff. You know who won? Jordan. Sorry if I messed it up for you. But the thing that she was struggling with at the end is like, what if I choose this person? What if I choose this person? What if it's going to happen in my life? It's all going to fall apart, you know? <laughs> How many times are you like that? How many times am I like that? Like we think that that's what, what's happening. I just want you to know that God is like sovereign <laughs> and you can trust him. And then he's guiding you. And, and even in the, the mistakes of your life, he can, he can work through them. Your life's not over. Okay? So lean on him through the dark moments in life. And the third takeaway is this. Avoid feeding the darkness. This is a wisdom issue. Um, Mark Twain said, Everyone is a moon and has a dark side which he, has, which he never shows to anybody. Jesus knows that, right? He knows that. And all things, we might say, well, I'm a Christian, but all things are permissible, right? But not all things are going to be beneficial for you. And as believers, you know, I mean, like there are movies that we, we watch. There are things that we listen to. There, I mean, I think about, again, all the horror movies that are coming out in just a few months and... It's to the point where even my son, he like sees a commercial real quick. He's like, you know, like locked in. He, he knows, like he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Um, let's just admit we all have that in us. They were like, this is not beneficial for me. This is not the way I should be going right now. The Holy Spirit's like tugging on me, pulling me away from this. I shouldn't go there. Let's admit that and just say like, okay, use some wisdom as far as like, what things we are allowing in because we need to avoid feeding the darkness. You got to know it's in you and it wants to be fed. And there, there's the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Hebrews, it says that you can quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and shares with us like, hey, don't go in that direction. Go, don't, go, don't go down that path. It doesn't do that just to say, well, it's not going to be fun down that path, so don't go there. He's saying, no, like I'm protecting you. Like I said before, like, as a father protects a child, God protects his children. He protects us. So just know that there are things that he tries to speak to us that it's a wisdom issue. Like, don't, don't go down the direction. Like, okay, yeah, he'll forgive you, but there's going to be a lot of hurt and pain along the way. There's going to be a lot of things and memories that you don't want to have. Okay, so again, just turn to him, trust him, and don't avoid feeding that darkness. In conclusion, um, there's a story that Oscar Wilde, it's a short story, wrote called The Selfish Giant. 
you know, we're talking about monsters and the darkness within us. Well, I think this short story illustrates it well. It's about this giant who leaves his garden. He's gone for seven years visiting a friend. And during that time, there were some children that came and started to play in his garden. And while the kids were playing in the garden, the garden became beautiful. The the trees were beautiful. The things were growing in the garden. But then the giant came back. And he sees the kids playing in his garden. And he screams to them. He says, this is my garden. My own garden is my own garden. And so the the kids get scared. They run from this selfish giant. And as the giant sat there, looking over his garden, thinking about how this is my garden, the winter came, and the wind came, and everything came. And what happened was this garden, which was once beautiful, became very cold, dark, And no one wanted to come to this garden. The giant himself actually got to the place where he didn't want to be in this garden either. But he sat there and he thought, what is it, what is it going to take for the winter to end? What is it going to take for this darkness to leave? And then it says at the end of the story, and I'm going to read this to you because I think it's so profound. It said one winter... Uh, well, actually, let me tell you what, what happens. The, one day, the children snuck back in. They snuck back in. Things started to grow again. And the giant was so excited that he went outside. And all the kids were so scared that they ran away. They ran away from the giant. But there was one kid that was hanging out there by the tree. And he wanted to be lifted up into the tree and to play in the, the, the garden. And so the giant went up to this one kid who didn't run away, lifted him up, and put him in the tree. And the little boy played there and had a great time, and then all the children eventually came back. And the, the giant became old, and, and he started to... Light started to come into his life. And by the end of this life, okay, here's what it says. It says, one winter morning, he looked out of his window as he was dressing. He did not hate winter now, for he knew that it was merely the spring asleep and that the flowers were resting. Suddenly, he rubbed his eyes in wonder and looked and looked. It certainly was a marvelous sight. In the farthest corner of the garden was a tree quite covered with lovely white blossoms. Its branches were all golden, and silver fruit hung down from them, and underneath it stood the little boy he had loved. You see, one of the things that happened was the the kids came back. They saw that the, the little boy had gone and played in the tree, but they didn't know who this little boy was, and they never saw him again. But the giant said, I love that little boy. That's the little boy I love. I love him the most. Downstairs ran the giant in great joy and out of the garden. He hastened across the grass and came near to the child. And when he came quite close, his face grew red with anger. And he said, who hath dared to wound thee? For on the palms 
of the child's hands were the prints of two nails, and the prints of two nails were on the little feet. Who had dared to wound thee? cried the giant. Tell me that I may take my big sword and slay him. No, answered the child, but these are the wounds of love. Who art thou? said the giant. And a strange awe fell on him. And he knelt down before the little child. And the child smiled on the giant and said to him, You let me play once in your garden. Today you shall come with me to my garden, which is paradise. And when the children ran in that afternoon, they found the giant lying dead under the tree all covered with white blossoms. I didn't tell that well. But don't you see who the giant is? Don't you see where the selfishness lies? Don't you see the dark one who says, this is my garden, this is my garden, no one comes in my garden. But it's when that little boy with the nails in his hands and in his feet, comes into your garden, that everything changes. See, I'm that giant. I'm that monster. And it was Christ who came in. And it's, it's Christ at the very end who say, I'll lead you through the mess. I'll lead you through the winters. I'll lead you through the darkness. I'll lead you through those times. I will change you. I will gentle you. He was a gentle giant by the end. He was a giant who the kids could come and play in his garden. And they weren't scared of him anymore. Jesus wants to do that with you. He wants to do that with me. And it's his light that comes in and starts to change the worst of us. Everyone needs this little boy. Everyone needs the light. Will you receive him today? Will you let him come in and change your life? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you change monsters to human beings, to people. I know that within myself, I'm lost. I know within myself, there's only darkness. But because of Christ, you've brought the light. You've brought it in. You've brought it close to my heart. And God, I pray that we will love you. We will be a church that loves you, God. We will be a people that love you. We will be a people that see the love, the great love that you have for us. That even in our worst moments, you were willing to come near to us. You didn't run. You didn't back down. Even the, to the point where we killed you. And you say those who are going to lift you up, we're going to see the light. God, help us to, to see you lifted up and what you've done for us. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.